Okay, hi there. <laughs> I'm Don Jones, flight instructor in Tyler, Texas. And this is Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. Welcome. Crash runway 13, runway 17, proceed straight out, air below 3000, please take off. All right, on this episode, we're going to talk about talking. That's right. Radio communications with ATC. All right, let's get going here. I, uh, first off, have an unfair advantage when dealing with ATC, and that's due to my previous career in broadcasting and advertising. Um, for over 20 years, I used my voice. Um, I can say more specifically, basically, I was uh, converting ideas into text and then that text into verbalization. And I spent a great deal of time reflecting on how well those words worked and how to make them work better. So that's why, and that is my unfair advantage. However, I'm going to help you capitalize on this by sharing what I know about how to listen, talk, and communicate with invisible audio words. All right. There was um, a flight I went on that started this conversation in my head, and I thought I'd share it with you. I fly out of a Class D airport here in Tyler. We have three runways. It's not exceptionally busy most times. Sometimes it gets kind of busy. A lot of times it's pretty quiet, relatively. Anyway, I flew with a fellow who needed a checkout at our local FBO, and he was a new pilot, and he was from another state. Everything went relatively well on the ground and in the air concerning the airplane. However, he did have his hands pretty full dealing with air traffic control, talking on the radio. Now, he had had some uh, towered airport experience a little bit, but he did admit not, not enough. And that brings us to this point and my motivation for addressing this topic. And I want to see if we can discover how to get good at understanding what ATC wants, telling them what you need and want, and having confidence in doing so. All right. First off, I think we need to start with a little bit of perspective. And I do want to add, you can think about this as a relationship, right? I mean, think about it. When... Couples have issues in marriages. It's oftentimes communication problems are somewhere in there. Well, this is a relationship. You're having a relationship with air traffic control and even the other pilots you encounter while tooling around. So let's t jump off from that perspective and say, um, we want to be clear about what we want and what they want and need. See, if you don't know what air traffic control is after, you're, you're going to be lost you know, you really want to understand what their motivation is. So what do you want? You want to safely and expeditiously get from the airport to en route and from inbound to your parking spot. Hey, guess what? The Aeronautical Information Manual 4-1-2, Chapter 4, and I quote, Towers have been established to provide for a safe, orderly, and expeditious flow of traffic on and in the vicinity of an airport. Well, there you go. That's the end of that quote. But that sounds like a pretty good match, right? That's what you want. That's what they want. <laughs> it sounds pretty simple. So let's add to our little perspective here about who's number one coming up on Airtime, a Sky Review podcast.
This is Airtime, a Sky Review podcast from skyreview.us. It'll be an accompanying article with this podcast if you want to look at the written version. They are a little bit different, not much, sometimes more than others, and I usually will say so. I usually have resources and other downloadable things sometimes at the bottom of the article. So under articles at skyreview.us. All right, looking out for number one, we're talking to air traffic control, how to get better at it. And I have to say for this particular addressing of this issue, I'm only going to deal with uh, the context of a class D airport. I'm not going to get into nuances of Bravo and uh, differences with Charlie. We'll do that later. I want to keep the scope of this a little bit more narrow for clarity. Okay. All right. Looking out for number one, when we show up to fly or are inbound to land, and what I'm talking about is um, ramping up to our initial call, the mindset might be, uh, just think of it this way, not that it's yours, not that it's mine, but think about it this way. You're maybe assuming, oh, I'm priority. I'm first among men. I'm utmost, most foremost, and <laughs> most important. And me, I shall be first. Um, you may, in that state, fail to realize um, or remember that other people are also going to use the airspace too and may have already uh, made accommodations to do so just ahead of you and there may be several of them and uh, there may be others you don't know about air traffic control is working with them and considering all these eventualities not going to go too deeply into you know people who show up and just have a lack of consideration for the fact that other people are moving in to and fro i believe those people are mostly the minority okay i will say show up with a spirit of cooperation that's gonna help some things um, so be intent on cooperating with air traffic control and other pilots. You can always utter negative or unable if you get instructions that are outside of your comfort or capability. Otherwise, don't be a jackass. Okay, that's all I'm going to go there. If you, if you go over to the article, I've got a YouTube video in there on uh, on this section. And it's, it's a guy who's kind of, <laughs> he's being a bit of a jackass um, in some Bravo airspace in uh, Vegas. So, um... I mean, it's surprising, but there are people out there like that. All right. So that's enough of that. So far as I'm going to go, let's go back to reasonable pilots like you and me. Um, and so what's the deal with fear? I've heard people say and make fear into an acronym, false evidence appearing real, F-E-A-R. Okay. Well, let's deal with fear. Okay. I've seen a fair amount of fear and trembling when people are about to or are in interacting with air traffic control. With my unfair advantage, I have had a long and fruitful relationship with air traffic control. Very seldom have I had them get frustrated with me. Now, when they did, I was very much in a situation where I messed something up, no question. And even then, they were pretty resilient, and we got over it and moved on. Generally, I have found controllers all over the country to be pretty friendly and helpful. Now, there are exceptions, of course, in wildly busy areas, and you know where those are in the Northeast and, you know, L.A. and such. But if air traffic control generally is so helpful and easy to deal with, where does this fear come from? Okay, perhaps, obviously, the possibility of violating regulations during a misunderstanding with air traffic control. Sure. We are obligated to abide by clearance limits, crossing restrictions, and a sundry of things like that. However... All things considered, we have a pretty long leash and a lot of flexibility. Um, another area of fear maybe stems from a lack of practice, experience, exposure, and that leads to waning confidence. Kind of a downward spiral. 
I've also seen an absence of orderliness in the cockpit, just cockpit management of your stuff. That doesn't help either. I'll tell you what I do in terms of that. I, I always have an e-board, and it's nice. And I always have a blank space to write down the instructions. I jot them down in shorthand, always. I just do. Even when they're simple, I just do it. It's, it's, a, it's what I do. I had to systematically kind of develop that, you know, what kind of knee board, where am I going to put it? I'm always going to have paper on there with space on there to write these things down. Yep. I've worked all that out. I've worked out my kind of shorthand. Okay. So that takes a practice to figure out what you're comfortable with. I'm also left-handed. So that presents kind of an aggravation when I'm sitting in the left seat, which is not that much anymore as a flight instructor. But, but anyway, you got to work out your system. But then there's the next step. So you, you work it out, you jot it down, but you still have to process it, understand what it means, and make sure that it makes sense relative to the airport layout taxi diagram, where you are in relation to where you want to end up. Because you want to verify that they didn't just get confused themselves, air traffic control. It happens. They're human. With all of that, I think most of the fear can be eliminated by incorporating a few different things. And we're going to talk about those coming up on Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. All right, Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. I'm Don Jones. Hello, flight instructor in Tyler, Texas. Check us out, skyreview.us, for the article that goes along with this podcast and a lot of other things uh, there on the website. Well, we're talking about talking to ATC, air traffic control, on the radio, your radio work, getting comfortable with it, eliminating fear. The first thing I would throw out is knowing what is needed, not throw out. The first thing I would offer <laughs> is knowing what is needed. AIM Chapter 4 has um, the entire chapters dedicated to this communication business with air traffic control and others. A great deal of information, and it's helpful information. It might need a little humanizing. That's okay. 4-2-3 starts off with your initial call. So if you're on the ground, you call ground control for taxi clearance or flight following and taxi clearance or whatever, or your initial call inbound, right? Inbound to land. They just itemize it out. First off, the thing that comes out of your mouth is the name of the facility being called. Now, that's easy enough, maybe. One bit there is that, why would you do that? Well, you know, it's real easy to dial in the wrong frequency or forget to flip-flop the standby to the active. So if you blurt out, hey, blah, 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 and they go, oh, well, that's not us. You need to go to dot, dot, dot frequency. You work that out real quick without boogering up a whole bunch of radio channel. Um, also... Some airports have been named or renamed for people of significance. And between that person's name and the town's name, that can be kind of a handful. It, you know, you want to peek at that, especially if you're going to a new place and figure out how you're going to identify the airport on the radio, how you probably should. That's something to consider in your flight planning. I've got some examples that are in the article and, and worth a peek. Um, one of the airports I've been to, the other I have not. That there are a couple of examples. One's in Alaska, one's in Missouri. Okay, then after the name of the facility you're calling, uh, full aircraft identification. Now, that doesn't seem too difficult. That gives them some idea of the performance parameters of your aircraft so they can sort of assess that relative to the other airplanes who might be in the area. I will say in terms of IDing your aircraft, AIM 4-2-4 has its own, its own section on aircraft call signs 
and, and using them specifically. You are not supposed to truncate or abbreviate your call sign on the initial call. So if you're Bonanza 123 Alpha Bravo, great. Now, after air traffic control abbreviates your call sign, you can too. So they might abbreviate to Bonanza 3 Alpha Bravo. Then you can Bonanza 3 Alpha Bravo after that. They'll do that fairly often. Now, if there are other aircraft with similar call signs, they won't do that. They'll use the entire name and punctuate the different uh, numbers or letters. Uh, by the way, uh, addressing this, and I did do a little bit of uh, digging around. It seems like air traffic controllers are cool with this. They prefer this, it seems. It uh, wasn't scientific on my part because I didn't uh, ask enough different ones. But I'm in Cessna 172s quite a lot. I do not identify them as Cessna 123 Alpha Bravo or whatever. Uh, the reason is because there are so many flavors of Cessnas. And so it runs the gamut, obviously, from 150s to 210s. There's a performance delta for you. Two citations, which are all Cessnas. So I usually say Skyhawk 123 Alpha Bravo. Okay. And if you fly Skyhawk 123 Alpha Bravo, <laughs> I didn't have a Google that end number. Uh, my apologies. It was just random. As you see, 123, first two letters of the alphabet. That's okay. There's probably an aircraft out there. I should look that up. Anyway, so ID uh, the entire uh, ID there. And then where you are, you state where you are, okay, in the air. It's miles in direction relative to the airport or uh, some commonly used prominent point on the ground. Sometimes a visual checkpoint a lot of times is used. And then, of course, on the ground, you just, where you are on the ground, on the field, you know, FBO at an intersection, holding short of a runway and taxiway, things like that. You'll want to include, of course, also like the ATIS information letter, too. All in that one call, concisely. Then, if your message is short, state it. If you need some quality time with air traffic control, just say request. That's it. So, what's nice about that, that seems like a lot, but it, it really isn't too much. It's like who you're calling, um, who you are, where you are, and what information you're equipped with and what you want. That's it. But that gives them all the pieces they need to be able to fulfill what you're, what you're after. Now they can legally and expeditiously fulfill your request. And ideally, doing that with the least amount of follow-up questioning. You know, less real estate on the, on the radio taken up, or people can get a call in, things like that. Okay, so that's your initial call. So what about all the other calls? All right, on subsequent calls, you may have things like runway hold short instructions. You may have those on the initial taxi call. I like to think of these interactions, though, even the initial one and, and especially subsequent ones, as little mini legal contracts. Okay. The gotchas are things like crossing versus hold short instructions and runway clearance to land and take off or land and hold short ops, ILS critical areas. Your auditory radar should be scanning for these hot button items. Okay. And make a note of them especially. Air traffic control needs to hear you acknowledge those things with your call sign. That is, you've repeated the instructions correctly and identified yourself as you. Now, the stakes are quite a bit greater than that. I want to throw in a little sidebar here. Is that because of my background, I was able to, early on with air traffic control, I remember early on in my instrument rating, because you get a fire hose if things get spit at you on the radio and an instrument rating that you, uh, while flying on IFR, and you have to repeat those back. But, but because of my background, I was able to take in the words, repeat them back perfectly, and have no idea what it was they uh, were communicating to me. And now I worked through that, of course. So 
that's the where the stakes are high, right? You have to process the information as well and find out if it makes sense. And if it does, it's great. Now, if it doesn't, don't do anything that puts you in an irrevocable situation until you make sense of the information because there have been horrifying accidents by pilots thinking they were in one place and were somewhere else or thinking they heard something that wasn't said. It's real easy to do. In fact, one thing in the broadcast world is, is they do a thing called air checks and you, you, you have a recorded log of your, your work. You play back the, the audio and listen to it later after you've kind of forgotten the context of that moment, those moments, and you will hear yourself use the wrong word here and there and have no recollection of having done so. Like you would almost argue that that didn't actually happen, yet you're listening to a recording of yourself having done it. This is what we're talking about. So it's, it's a lot more than just panache on the radio. It's critical to safety. And here's what happened when I flew with the guy the other day for the checkout flight. And he was, uh, he was, it was a little overwhelming for him, the radio bit. I noticed, and I've noticed this before, when a pilot is rusty on the radio, it adds stress and distraction, which is, again, less safe and that deserves attention. So practice. That's how we get better. So how in the world do we practice talking to ATC. How do we practice radio work? I think better practice might be the medicine. So we'll talk about that, how to practice. <laughs> it's coming up on Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. All right, Airtime, a Sky Review podcast talking about radio communication with ATC, how to get better. In the context of this, I'm keeping the scope narrowed to just four-hour discussion sake here at Class D Airport. Back to my unfair advantage. I enjoy the benefit of having used my voice to communicate for over two decades. If you aren't accustomed to this robust, brisk, and concise speaking, processing things auditorially, you're going to have to study and practice. Now, the FAA has some things to say in AIM Chapter 4, so that's worth a read. But then take and print your airport diagram or whatever towered airport you want to go to and walk through some taxi takeoff and landing clearances. Plot out the initial calls and air traffic control's possible likely responses. You can actually type them out. doesn't take that much time. So, you know, have someone read the air traffic control part to you and practice responding. So you're essentially chair flying the radio. Now, the most important part is to practice thinking what should be said and then saying it, doing it verbally. That's very important to, to do it out loud. The verbal point is vital here. That's a different part of your brain. And if you don't exercise it, you'll always feel like a fish out of water. That's it. That's it. That's what broadcasters do. You'll improve by leaps and bounds. And like I said, when you, uh, Play yourself back. I was going to say, you know, one thing is, and we'll get to that in a minute, but you can record yourself doing it. You play yourself back, you'll hear things you don't realize are happening. And you can correct them. But leaps and bounds. These are the main things. And then beyond these, uh, there are some other tips and tools that you can really up your radio game. You don't have to make it burdensome, okay? It doesn't have to be a bear. Just work on it once or twice a week. And you'll be surprised, I think. So let's go pro. Coming up. Just a moment on airtime, a Sky Review podcast. Okay, we're back. Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. Don Jones here. Hello. 
All right, going pro on the radio, okay? Air traffic control. Let's get over that fear. Okay, I mentioned recording yourself. Hey, everybody has a smartphone, right? You have a smartphone. Okay. Record yourself. Practice some of these uh, scripted out uh, clearances and responses and requests. Critique your performance. You'll improve massively. Here's a pro tip for you. If you sound a little flat or unfriendly, smile when you speak. It comes through. You will immediately sound better, friendlier. And you'll probably find you're received better by ATC. They are human, and people connect with that. Uh, you'll notice, conversely, if somebody hops on the frequency suddenly and they're kind of barely holding it together, notice that you can immediately hear the tension in the controller's voice. That's because I've heard this several times. And that's because they know, oh, this person's going to be a handful. And their job of safely organizing and separating traffic is about to become more difficult. And you think about it from their standpoint, all they can do is give the instructions. They can, you know, admonish the pilot to do the right thing, but they can't stop the aircraft if the pilot starts doing something really out of bounds. You know, obviously they have to move other people around, but it can be quite a curveball if you think about it from their perspective. All right. uh, Another tip. I mentioned the kneeboard, have it, have it securely affixed somewhere, jot down those instructions, make a shorthand, jot it down, get a system every time. Okay. If you do the scratch pad thing on the tablet or iPad, that's fine. I don't like it. I don't know why. Maybe I'll transition to it or something, but if that works for you, that's fine. Do that. It's there, but mount the darn thing somewhere. You know, don't be juggling the thing around in the aircraft or picking it up and sliding, putting it down or having it in your lap or your head's got to be down a lot. I don't know. Just mount the thing up or at least make it where your hands are free and don't have to hold it. Big one here. Uh, this really isn't extra or pro. This is kind of basic, but to have a taxi diagram out and it doesn't matter if it's on a tablet or if you print it out, but before you call ground, have it out, have a look at it, know what the winds are, right? Get an understanding of what you're likely to be given for taxi instructions because you have a good idea what runway you're going to get. Okay, you don't want to get fixated on that, but you can narrow it down. Days when you aren't flying, listen to the tower and ground frequencies on live ATC. There's an app. You can listen to it online, on your smartphone, on your tablet. Listen to how the pros do it. You'll start to notice patterns. It's not that wild and scary. It's pretty repetitious. After you start to notice what it is they need and how to best supply that information to them. Now, if live ATC records the frequencies at your home airport or neighboring airport you're concerned about where you go fly, get on there and download and debrief your radio work while you're out there. Capture the real life stuff and and listen back and, and debrief yourself on that. It's like recording yourself I mentioned earlier. Massive improvement. Few things will match the large improvements you'll have made by doing that one thing. Okay? You'll hear things you didn't know you were saying in a way you didn't know you were saying them. In fact, hey, you may actually build confidence because you may listen back to yourself and go, hey, man, I sound pretty good there. I sound like I've got this tiger by the tail. Seriously. Here's the thing beyond all that. If you aren't sure what ATC wants or it just isn't making sense, ask. They get mixed up too. All right, they're human. Once while flying a Piper Arrow, I was uh, given a helicopter landing clearance. Yeah, I'll repeat that. I was flying a Piper Arrow that I clearly identified two times as a Piper Arrow November yada da 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 I was given a helicopter landing clearance. We cleared it up. 
It was fine. <laughs> and a few years ago, while heading north, approaching the west side of a Class C airport, I was instructed to make left traffic for a landing to the south. You know, they don't generally have you cross the departure end of runways if they can avoid it. And so I kind of queried, and sure enough, the controller just flipped it in their mind and revised the instructions to right traffic. Like I say, they're human too. It happens. But be cordial. You know, you don't have to. Don't be a jackass. Coming up, we'll wrap this thing up on Airtime and Sky Review Podcast, and I'll talk about some of the resources I've put together. And you can even use the scripts. I'm going to put them up here on the article on skyreview.us. We'll wrap this thing up with that coming up in just a moment. On Airtime, a Sky Review Podcast. All right, airtime, a Sky Review podcast, Don Jones, flight instructor in Texas, USA. All right, wrapping this thing up, uh, talking uh, chair flying, the radio, getting comfortable and getting rid of the fear and getting more professionalism while on the radio and talking to ATC. Um, the scope of this has been basically relegated to just a Class D scenario. Um, okay, show notes at skyreview.us under this article. I've included scripting of taxi instructions, takeoff clearance, initial call inbound for landing, and landing clearance for my home airport. This was just from a few days ago uh, from an actual flight I took. I also included possible calls ATC could have thrown or instructions could have been thrown out that are, are likely that I've had before with the uh, runway being used. Okay. And you can use those. Uh, so you use the student scripts and you can give the instructor scripts to someone else and they will act as ATC and you can practice with them. Simple as that. And you can uh, do the same thing for your own airports, like I mentioned before, and just kind of use something like the format I have on those as an example. Um, oh, there's also an airport diagram uh, relevant to the uh, either the taxi call or the uh, landing rollout taxi back to parking. Um, and I have those marked up and numbered with what part of the script they are coordinated with and get a, a visual picture. And by the way, I was going to say, when you're practicing with your own, if you make up your own scripts for your own airport, uh, have that taxi diagram out and visualize and understand exactly, okay, here's here's what the communication was. Here's where the airplane's going to need to go to fulfill those instructions and such like that. And even throw some curveballs like, well, I'd rather go here instead and ask ATC and throw back and forth some uh, possibilities uh, like that. That's my unfair advantage. And I have shared with you some tidbits that are uh, not explicitly aviation related, but I think are viable and applicable to any and everything really that involves speaking and verbal and auditory. Okay. Pretty soon you'll have an unfair advantage behind the mic as well. Oh, yeah. And let me not forget, um, I will debrief the audio from that call because I have the live ATC audio from my flight that I am embedding into the into the article. So you can go check it out and see the scripts and hear the actual audio as it happened on the, on the website. So one of the things I uh, have a tendency to do is, is say the N in the N number a lot. And uh, it's just something I've done for a long time and I can't seem to get rid of it. I, it's just because I haven't made a concerted effort to do so. And air traffic control is really uh, nice about it. <laughs> but I try to stay pretty on the ball. Otherwise, there was actually one point on one of these calls, I actually didn't say the aircraft make. Um, it was rolling out on the runway when I uh, got the taxi clearance. I, 
I just want to make it clear. I'm not saying I'm the cat's meow necessarily. I make mistakes as well, and I don't have it 110%. I am humbling myself to <laughs> the great universe to make improvement as well. This is Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. We're on all the social and on the web at skyreview.us. Flight instructor in Tyler, Texas. Look me up if you want to learn to fly. I need a flight review. Skyreview.us. Thanks. Cheers and happy flying. Four five Tango outside Hindu. Two and a half miles on the ILS one three full stop. Wind one three zero four runway one three by land.